Greetings old Haleburians and members of the wider Halebury community wherever and whenever you are listening to this podcast. This is Keith White from the Class of 62 bringing you the ninth of our regular podcast series which includes audio material from the Haleybury archives. In this episode we have an interview I recorded recently with our new Chief Archivist Matthew Wharton. There is our usual quiz question from Bill Waters and audio archivist Gordon Hawley has unearthed another gem from our audio archives. But first up, a recorded address from the 2006 Founders' Day ceremony by notable old Haleburian Professor Rod Holm. By the way, at the time of production of this broadcast, the identity of the gentleman introducing Professor Holm has not been established. If you can help, please contact us. Rod Holm attended Halebury from 1944 to 1955. He was Dux of the school in 1954 and both Dux and captain of the school in 1955. He has an outstanding record as both a scholar and teacher. Bachelor of Science with honours from the University of Melbourne. Science Master at Halebury College from 1960 to 1964. Doctor of Philosophy in History and Philosophy of Science. Lecturer, then Senior Lecturer and finally Foundation Professor of History and Philosophy of Science at the University of Melbourne. He is a fellow of the Australian Academy of the Humanities. Professor Holm is the author of many books, articles, reports and reviews. He was a member of the College Council from 1968 to 1974. We invite Professor Rod Holm to speak to us today. Would you all please give him a warm round of applause? Thank you very much for that welcome. Also for the little homily you got before, which I hadn't expected. I'm delighted to be here uh, to help you celebrate Founders Day this year. As I look around this magnificent hall, I can't help thinking how different it was when I began at Halebury in 1944. But it still was 11 years later in 1955 when I finished up. In 1944, the school was still very small, as you heard earlier, less than 200 pupils. All boys, well, all but one. There was actually one girl at the school. Uh, the headmaster, Shalto Black's daughter, Mary, was about the same age as me, and she attended, I think, the first three or four years of school before going to Furbank. So she's a long way ahead of the current crop of Halebury girls, I guess. As you heard, the school moved to the Castlefield site a few years before I began at the school, but then World War II had broken out and put a break on any further developments. Most of the school was housed in temporary buildings. The only permanent buildings that I can recall were the Castlefield House, which was the boarding house, and the first stage, uh, you saw the, a picture of the opening of it, of the first of the new classroom blocks. The rest, of I say, was all temporary buildings. One of my earliest memories of the school is actually an air raid drill. Uh, the war was still on and uh, I can remember we all had to troop out of our classrooms and down into a bunch of trenches that had been dug along the back fence of the school and stand there until somebody said we could go out again. And then I remember too in August 1945 we had a special open air assembly of the whole school. There was no room where the school could assemble as a whole except outdoors uh, but we had this assembly uh, to announce the end of the war and to declare the rest of the day a school holiday. There's another informally arranged school holiday that I remember, a half-day holiday in 1948 that tells you something about the school. When the school won the inter-school, the Associated Grammar Schools, swimming. This was the first time that Halebury had ever come close to winning anything. 
It was just too small a school to compete against the larger schools. And so there were great celebrations, and so Shaldo Black, the headmaster, gave us half a day off. I might say we'd won the swimming championships, I say we generously, one person basically won it, uh, the great swimmer John Marshall, who won every event that he was in, and then later that year won, a, I think, a silver medal in the 1500 metres at the London Olympic Games. During my time at Halebury, the school grew very rapidly, but when I got to year 12, the, the total enrolment was still only around 600. And there were only 11 students in the year 12 class uh, that year. And this made it still very difficult to compete in sports with the other schools. Because I was tall, I think for no other reason, I was first selected in the first 18 football team when I was only 14 to play in the ruck um, because there weren't any other older boys of a suitable height. And the results, I have to tell you, were not good. I played four games that year and we lost all of them by more than 25 goals. But the rapid growth of the school meant that we could compete better each year thereafter and in my last year we actually played off against Caulfield Grammar for the Premiership. Uh, unfortunately uh, we lost. Uh, I was playing on John Schultz who subsequently won a Brownlow medal. I shouldn't perhaps say this but I knocked one of his front teeth out at the first ball up. Uh, in the first game of league football he played he lost the other front tooth in exactly the same way. Because the school was small, the fees that parents paid to send their children there didn't, didn't generate a lot of money. And some of this had to be spent on acquiring new temporary buildings uh, to house us all. So there wasn't a, a lot to pay for the teachers. The classes were much bigger than would be tolerated today. I mean, even in the early 1960s when I began teaching at the school, I remember my first year in 1960, I had a year nine science class of 45. So it would just be intolerable these days. And I have to say some of the teachers were frankly not very good. Indeed some of them were really awful. But there were some who were very good. I particularly remember Alan Palfrey, the mathematics teacher, Ivor McGregor, the English teacher, and Frank Elmore, the chaplain. And also Sholto Black and David Bradshaw, the two headmasters who were there during my time, were really wonderful I thought. Somehow the influence of the good teachers, and especially the headmasters, engendered a very good feeling in the school. The school was small enough that everybody knew everybody else. There was always a sense that the school really cared for the students and wanted to see them make the best of themselves. And I guess it's because of that, more than anything else, that I look back with warmth and gratitude on my time at the school. The school's a very different place, of course, these days. There are many more pupils, much better facilities, better trained and more highly qualified teachers. But from my limited observation of the school these days, I still get the school magazines regularly and look at them. I was impressed by the presentation we've just had. It's clear that the underlying creed within the school remains the same. This is a school that cares about its students and wants to see each of them make the best of themselves. But whether they do, uh, is of course, whether you do, is of course ultimately up to you yourselves and not to the school. It's up to you to take advantage of the opportunities that the school puts before you. Let me be a little specific about that perhaps and give some perhaps unwanted advice. Don't specialise too early, whether in your studies or the anti-curricular activities that you try. The school offers an amazing variety of opportunities. I recommend that you try lots of them. But don't just flit over the surface either. Give them a proper try. 
get stuck into them properly. But as I say, don't put all your eggs into one basket. In your studies, don't narrow your choice of studies too early. Keep the range of subjects going as long as you can. And especially, I put in a plug for foreign languages. I was basically a science student, science and mathematics. But fortunately, I was able to also keep doing literature and French all the way and history for most of the way. And I'm really glad that I did. When I became a historian of science, and I don't suppose many of you will do that, but when I did, these things were of immediate use to me. But keeping them going was also mind-stretching. It expanded my intellectual horizons beyond our local environment and culture to begin to see that not everyone in the world uh, sees the world in exactly the same way as we do. And that mind-stretching is, I believe, ultimately what education is about. Good luck with your studies and with your, the other things you take on both this year and in the future. Interesting reminiscences and good advice. Rod taught me chemistry in year 10 and I distinctly remember the humanities feel he brought to the science. And now for our quiz question. Over to you, Bill. Hello, Keith. Here's today's quiz question. Halliby girls were enrolled through to year 12 from 2007. In that year, and for the next three years, which two girls teams each won four consecutive APS AGS premierships? Thanks, Bill. The answer, as usual, at the end of this podcast. Up next, my interview with Matthew. Today I'm talking to our new Chief Archivist, Matthew Wooden, out at Archives at Keysborough. Now, Matthew, you started this year. What do you find attractive in the role? Well, look, I guess I've worked in a, a couple of different roles at Halebury. I was a teacher here for eight years and I also did a lot of work with our student PD program. And one of the things that I really enjoy is, you know, I've got a bit of a background in photography and audio and video, and I taught media here for a few years. And something that I'm really interested in is creating, you know, interactive exhibits and, and video and audio based exhibit items to try to give, you know, our visitors something really engaging to bring our history to life here at Halebury. So, I mean, that's been really exciting and also learning a lot more about how we go about collecting and conserving our materials and trying to maximise their lifespan as well. Thanks. Now, you've got a rather ambitious exhibition program you're rolling out. Would you like to tell us briefly about what you've got planned here? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, I was chatting with Bill Waters, one of my fellow archivists, the other day, and we were talking about how some of those exhibits that are in the Jim Brown Centre uh, have stayed basically the same for up to about 15 years. And Indeed. So it's exciting to be bringing some new exhibit items there. And what we're actually looking to do is rather than have one static set of collections, we're trying to rotate through a series of six exhibits a term. So starting in 2020, in Term 1, there'll be a set of six exhibits throughout the space with a mix of, of different aspects and quality. So each exhibit has a video component, a text component, a, a print graphic component, an interactive component, and also a curriculum component. And I've been working closely with some of our history teachers on that. But the idea being that every time you come to visit, and we're hoping to have lots of, of visitors, and I expect to see you here yeah. popping in frequently, Every time you visit, there'll be something new and different to, to interact with and learn about. And hopefully that'll increase staff and student engagement with the archives and also our community members and past members of the, the Halebury community. 
so that people feel there's another reason to come and visit the archives. This sounds great. So as Matthew said, it's something we can talk about, but you seeing is believing. I think when it gets ready to roll, um, we'll make a big announcement and uh, that it's, it's running and what's on and uh, drop on over. Entry is free, Keith, if people need to realise. And, and we have a lot of visitors who come, you know, unannounced any day of the week. And we're always really excited to receive guests and Certainly any time during school hours, if you're, if you're heading down Springvale Road, don't hesitate to, to take a left and, and come in and visit us at the archives. Now, can I talk just for a minute about some of the other projects my fellow archivists have been working on? That'd be great. We're really indebted in the archives to the work of my fellow archivists. Dr. Glenn Garden's been working very, very hard on our digital honour boards project. So we're, we're really excited around our campuses shortly. You'll see some large new digital displays and you'll come up and push a button and you'll be able to see the honour boards of the scholars from that particular year going back in the boys' school to 1955. Mm -hmm. And so we're really hoping that people come in, they look up their brothers and cousins and uncles and aunties and, 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 and anyone they know to look at the school's history and sort of make them feel connected to it, but also to give present students and, and staff members that opportunity to, to see yeah. back into the history of the school, which is a bit difficult with the wooden honour boards because they're yeah. presently, you know, a lot of them are in storage because we don't have enough room to hang them all up. So that's been fantastic. And then Bill's been doing some wonderful work. Uh, this is Mr. Bill Waters, former librarian for Halebury. He's been doing some wonderful work on our Halebury treasures, formerly known as the Halebury Living Treasures. These yeah. are staff members who've served for in excess or 20 years or more. Yeah. And he's been writing some wonderful short biographies about these staff members. And when you come to visit our exhibit down here in the Jim Brown centre. There are little cards that you can scan with a, with a code on the back and the machine prints out for you a, a short biography about the people and that's a little souvenir for people to come home. Yet another reason to come and visit us in archives and it's free. You don't have to pay for that. So yeah, so that's been really wonderful. And uh, now we've got volunteer, haven't we? Trevor Jones. We, we are very, very lucky to have our dear Trevor Jones. Trevor's put in a power of work on the Ian Cox collection. So we had a massive collection of, of artifacts relating to Ian Cox. Uh, and he's gone through and catalogued those items and, and organised them into a fantastic new collection that we're looking forward to exhibiting in the future. Yes, I think Trevor came into archives in 2008. He was an old schoolmate of mine and we got chatting at a reunion and he said, yeah, I'll come and see um, what happens and gratefully he's still here. So thanks, Matthew. Nice talking to you and keep up the good work. And it's... It's free, Keith. Thanks for coming and chatting to me. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. It's great to see a new face in the archives team, especially someone with your technological background who can breathe new life into the school's fascinating history. And to close the show, a most interesting piece of music. A little background, please, Gordon. Thanks, Keith. One of the most recorded bagpipe tunes currently is Highland Cathedral. Its popularity perhaps only behind Scotland the Brave and Amazing Grace. Surprisingly, it is not a Scottish traditional tune at all, but was composed by two German musicians, Uli Röver and Michael Korb, and was published in 1982. Highland Cathedral has become so popular that it has been proposed as the Scottish national anthem to replace unofficial anthems Scotland the Brave and or Flower of Scotland. Let's now listen to a recording made at the 1997 Senior School Speech Night in Hamer Hall. 
of the Halebury Pipes and Drums joined by the school orchestra playing Highland Cathedral. for that Gordon stirring stuff and finally here's Bill with the answer to the quiz question thanks Keith and here's the answer to our quiz question the two girls teams which won four consecutive premierships each from 2007 to 2010 were both aquatic the swimming team and the water pilot team 
a magnificent effort. Thanks, Bill. Hands up if you got that one right. Well, that's it for this ninth From the Archives podcast. The next episode should be coming your way in September. If you've got a comment to make or a story you'd like to tell, please get in touch. My email, keith.white at haleybury.vic.edu.au or perhaps send me a text or voicemail to 0490 477 398. Again, 0490 477 398. This is Keith White signing off from the Archives, Series 1, Episode 9, August 2019. Thanks for listening.